Let's change the world together. Welcome to the Snapcast, the podcast for all nonprofit professionals, bringing you interviews and amazing ideas for nonprofit leaders. Hello, this is Nikki Desai. I'm your host for this episode of the Nonprofit Snapcast. Very happy to be speaking today with my friend Patrice Davis. Uh, we're going to talk about, a, well, I'm going to let her tell you that. Patrice, are you there? I am. I am. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we could do this. Could you quickly introduce yourself for our audience? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm Patrice Davis, and I am the owner, uh, a founder, and uh, principal count, uh, consultant for GrantsWorks. We are a uh, grant management consulting firm. We work with nonprofits, associations, and businesses, and we help them um, acquire and retain their grants. Acquire and retain their grants. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, it, so obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask a bunch of stupid questions today. Uh, mm -hmm. So, acquiring grants is one thing, but there, apparently, there's you don't just apply for it once and then it's automatic after that. There's actually a retention exercise as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I think a lot of organizations, uh, and you know, they're focused on acquiring uh, grants, uh, finding a grant writer, and and less so on what's required to retain the grant. So, grant retention, or which is really uh, under the umbrella of guess, uh, grants management, is basically understanding what the deliverables are for the grant, not just the programmatic deliverables, the reasons why you receive you receive the funding. But also, of course, uh, all of the compliance, all of the spending guidelines, uh, ensuring that your pro your policies and procedures are in line with uh, what the grant requires. Um, and I also, you know, think it's important that there is uh, sort of a, you know, there's a maintenance and an overall monitoring of how the, you know, the organization is carrying out each of the programs that have been funded. Some organizations have. 11 grants and some have just one and so obviously the amount of maintenance management oversight is going to increase based on the number of grants and of course sometimes the programs each grant program or programs each grant fund so grant retention is very important so uh, and that's basically my my professional experience um, is managing primarily federal government grants which is probably one of the more probably not probably it is the most complex kind of grant to manage sure and I think a lot of people are unaware that it's one thing to get the grant but then as we've already sort of hit on the back-end reporting requirements after the grant cycle is finished is also all pretty critically important isn't it yes it is absolutely and so if I, I would love to take this opportunity to briefly describe the difference between a grant manager and a grant writer so of course uh, many organizations are familiar with the grant writer, that's the person that you hire, um, whether it's a person on staff or a consultant to research grant funding opportunities, reach out to different foundations um, and other entities that happen to be offering uh, grants that align with the um, organization's services. Uh, and of course, they prepare the application, work with the organization to prepare budget, and of course, they actually submit the application. A grant manager can do all of those. A grant manager, if they have grant writing experience, can do that, of course, on the front end. That's called a pre-award process, but a grant manager uh, makes sure that the organization is audit ready because they're making, they're working with your accountant or accounting team. Um, they're ensuring that the expenses that were funded by that particular grant are indeed the only expenses that are charged to the grant. They ensure that you submit timely reports, uh, that your data is accurate, that you are compliantly spending the funds, and of course your uh, policies and procedures are updated, and finally, 
they manage your collaborations. Uh, some grants, uh, some grant um, grant makers or grant funders, they of course fund. They really like to fund collaborations because, of course, you're expanding the capacity of the dollars that have been um, awarded to you. And so your grant manager can manage the collaborations and any sub grantees. And again, so so that's so that's what grant management is in a nutshell. Um, and I just wanted to really make some make you know point out the differences between a grant writer and a grant manager. Very cool. What are you seeing that's happening with the ongoing availability of uh, private sector and federal grants now that we're you know what four months into pandemic, five months into pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. So I see, you know, I see that there are quite quite a few grants out there. I, mean, I actually read an article yesterday that said that there seems to be more grants they, than they are grant writers. So there are quite a few things going on. So you have funders, uh, particularly foundations, who uh, uh, early in the days of the pandemic, I believe in late March, quite a few, over 600 and almost 700 actually the last time I uh, looked. Basically, there was a, a co collaboration or um, consolidation of quite a number of uh, foundations that decided, okay, we need to come together and we need to figure out how we're going to simplify the grant making process for nonprofits who are being assaulted. I wouldn't say assaulted, but are undergoing, you know, a, a tremendous amount of pressure because their funding is, you know, they're, they, they're potentially losing their funding staff. Uh, they're, you know, losing staff. And of course uh, their programs have been, thwarted because people of course aren't coming to the various um to, to get the services that may, they may provide mm -hmm. so 700 uh foundations came together and they basically created a uh you know a collaborative so to speak um and they came up with some guiding some guidelines or guiding guidance point guidance on how they're going to streamline the grant making process for nonprofits going forward it may just be for the next year or so, but definitely it was something that many, and I'm talking about, of course, some of the largest foundations um, in, in the country and indeed actually internationally. Then you also, of course, have federal grants. Many federal grants have uh, been available. As a matter of fact, as of this morning, there were 2,479 grant opportunities on grants.gov. Wow. That is, of course, where you would go to find federal grants. And I also want, I do want to point out, though, that, of course, on grants.gov, you're going to have grants that fund both programs and research. Um, and that's uh, grants that nonprofits are eligible for, county and state governments, high institutions of higher education, and, of course, even for-profit entities, um, housing authorities, you know, native housing authorities. So, of course, it's going to be all kinds of federal grants. I do want to point out that there are a number of grants that are focused um, on public health, understandably. Mm -hmm. Quite a few grants on how to adjust to some of the changes that the public health crisis we're uh, going through. It you know can help in terms of technical assistance. Uh, I, I remember seeing quite a few grants to help uh, you know jumpstart telemed telemedicine programs. So there are quite a few opportunities that exist on the federal side. Uh, but I do want to take an opportunity to just list for the audience four to five places where they can find, you know, uh, private sector grants. So, of course, you have uh, foundationcenter.org, Grant Station, Grant Siren, Grant Watch. And um, so those are four, four immediately. Just all, you know, there's also Youth Today. That's primarily for youth development. Uh, so there are quite a few um, places where they can go and actually search for uh, grant opportunities. Okay. Um and that includes local government grants as well? Local government grants, well, local government grants, the, the 
there in order to find local government grants, then it's a county by county search or an even a state state by state search. So for mm -hmm. example, uh, um, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. So, and I'm specifically, in a, and I'm in a particular county in the mm -hmm. Atlanta metro area. So I would go to that county's uh, community development website or their public health website or their um, housing authority. And, and I would try to find grants specific to my services. Uh, another, so, so you would have to go on a county by county and uh, basis to find uh, those, uh, you know, local government grants. And local government grants are, um, you know, very, they're many, many of the funding sources are uh, the federal government, but in some instances, the, they, uh, they are funded by, uh, I know in the state of Washington, uh, they actually have levies that, uh, you know, homeowners in that particular county agree to pay an additional, I don't know, 10 cents, um, I don't know what the, the amount may be, uh, to fund maybe childcare, um, to improve childcare options in a particular county. So there are different ways that local government grants are funded. Okay. Um, so it's a county by county search for local government grants for sure, not city by city. Um, definitely city by city. So mm -hmm. some many in unincorporated cities, uh, if they are, um, you know, if they are, if they have, for example, their own, again, Department of Community Development or Economic Development, I would go to that particular city's website as well. So City of Atlanta has, you know, multiple departments. Um, and, you know, if you, if you happen to be in a, 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 in a program that provides art uh, programs for youth, you would go, of course, to the City of Atlanta's, you know, Department of of community art. That's just an example. I, I don't know if that's an actual, the actual t name of that department, but they do, of course, have the department. I just may have the name of the department um, incorrect, but yeah, right. so absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we touched on this a little bit already. What about, uh, what, what are you noticing in terms of trends and how foundations are funding nonprofits impacted by the slowdown? Yeah. Um, so, um, and I actually wrote uh, a blog about this, um, at, you know, I actually want to point out grantsworks.com. I do uh, try to write blogs about things that are very, or blog posts about things that are very timely. So, of course, one of the uh, posts I wrote about, I think about two months ago, was uh, around the regional COVID-19 funding initiatives. So, uh, that, what that looks like is basically a, a, a metropolitan area or even the state uh, a number of foundations, individual donors uh, come together to create a fund. That fund may be managed by the United Way of that particular area. And it's basically a, a, a rapid response fund for organizations. Um, they're very streamlined applications. Let me give you a few examples. So the Massachusetts COVID-19 Relief Fund, that's where the entire state, and from what I understand, that, that was initiated by the governor's wife. And she basically rallied uh, a number of foundations, a number of private donors uh, to donate to a larger pot of money, for lack of a better term, a larger fund, and nonprofits within the state of Massachusetts can apply. And again, maybe, you know, three to four field applications, very quick decisions that are made. A few other examples is MKE Response, which is uh, specific to uh, the Milwaukee metro area. There's also, of course, in Atlanta, where we are, the Atlanta COVID-19 um, Rapid Response Fund. And, of course, there's a funding collaborative for Greater Baltimore. And those are just four examples, but they, they exist uh, all over the country. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, what about the possibility of applying for grants as part of a partnership or as a, 
uh, well, I guess that's the word for it, a collaborative partnership. Should, I mean, is, is our nonprofits going to see more success if they find ways to do that, or is it better absolutely. to do so? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I can't speak for all funders, but I do know that it's something that funders like to see. Uh, so one of the things that I, I have uh, spoken to organizations uh, about and advised them to consider is how they can maximize the efficacy of the program that they're trying to fund. One of the ways to do that, of course, is to establish collaborative partnerships. Um, there are three types of uh, partnerships that I, I'm going to you know, briefly summarize. So you have the first one, which is uh, basically, I'm gonna give you an example. I am a housing, if I, I happen to manage a housing um, agency, I provide housing for uh, men, women, and children who are homeless. And basically, I have a collaborative partnership with a child care center that would allow the men and women uh, to uh, leave, you know, have their child um, cared for at a child care center, and that would be at no cost. So that is one example of a collaborative partnership. I'm familiar with one um, here in Atlanta area where there, that's a really long-term collaborative partnership, and it works really well, not only for the um, organization that provides the housing, but of course for the child care development center, and of course for the people who are being served. They can go and look for job opportunities or go to the jobs they currently have and know that they uh, are going to pay either zero dollars or a very, very nominal amount for child care. So that's one example. Um, and it's great that when you submit your application that you know that existing collaborative relationship. I also want to point out that many funders want to see uh, proof of that collaborative relationship so that in uh, that entails um, having uh, assigned MOUs by both parties on their letterhead uh, you know, of course, to make it official um, with a time frame um, and, of course, signed by the leaders of both entities. Another example, um, and this is the second example, is basically uh, when you submit your application, you already have a collaborative partnership um, using the same, using the same um, uh, scenario I just described. That particular child care center would be included in the grant application's budget um, and, of course, detailed in the narrative as a sub-grantee. So you apply as the housing entity for, for example, uh, $1 million. And of the $1 million budget, you're going to include a line item, for example, 80000 for that child care center. Um, and that child care center is going to be enhancing the efficacy of that program because child care is something that they're going to be covering or, or um, uh, providing for the people that you serve. So that's another example where they where they are the actual sub-grantee. Uh, the final example is, you know, a typical, um, I would say, grantee and um, contractor or partnership where they're not a sub-grantee, but basically you procure their services to provide a product. Um, and so that's basically the third example, uh, grantee and vendor where you're procuring the services or the product of um, an external party for them to actually provide the, um, you know, whatever it is to carry out the program. Okay. We are um, rapidly running out of time, unfortunately, but there's one thing I wanted to ask you in the, in the notes that you sent to me, you mentioned federal administrative relief offered to federal grant recipients. What is mm -hmm. that? Yes, yeah. So uh, in, in March of this year, when, uh, when the federal government was starting to realize the impact uh, that this was going to be having on many of its grantees, the Office of Management and Budget, uh, which is an office within the President's, office, uh, President's Executive Office, decided to release uh, a memo basically saying, 
we need to loosen some of the administrative guidelines um, that are that federal grantees have to adhere to, and some of the ones that are going to be most you know really important for some uh, grantees are things such as waiving prior approval uh, requirements. Many federal grants require that if you're going to, for example, make any changes to the budget above a certain amount, that you seek prior approval. So prior approval waivers was one of the administrative uh, relief. Uh, that uh, that was offered. Another example is, of course, uh, offering extensions on re reporting deadlines. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, basically extending the current indirect cost rates that they may be using, and of course, uh, costs that are not normally chargeable federal grants. They're allowing those. And uh, a final example of, I believe there were twelve initially. I may be incorrect, but again, I do have an article on my on my website that details this. Um, that they also have flexibility with SAM registration. SAM.gov is a site that all entities that uh, intend on doing business with the government or receiving grant funding from the government, they have to register in this database. And typically you need to be registered before you even apply for a grant. Uh, but per that memo, that administrative relief, you can apply. Uh, you may not need to be registered at that time, but you certainly would need to be registered by the time you are actually awarded by a federal agency. So basically it's, a list of administrative relief uh, that federal grantees were able to take advantage of. The only thing I wanted to quickly clarify is this is a memo uh, and a set of uh, administrative relief that OMB recommended. Each federal agency then uh, basically decided how they were going to implement that for their grantees. And so that's the, you know, and I, I also wanted to point out that there were some um, two additional uh, deadlines that were extended uh, just in the month of June. So the initial relief was extend offered in, in March, but then uh, there were some, you know, extensions on the initial extensions in, in June, and I did update that article on my website about that. So people want to go and just see the list of what they are in a very bulleted and streamlined um, format. I have those on grantsworks.com. Grantsworks.com. Patrice, we're going to have to wrap the episode here, but is there any parting word of advice or wisdom that you wanted to share with the audience real quick? Absolutely. Absolutely. The one thing I'd like to say is it's important that as you're looking for grants that you're also thinking about how you're going to manage the grants and making sure that you have people on your team who are going to come together uh, on a, maybe on a monthly basis to look at the uh, basically the status of the grant, how are you spending the funds, um, and just work as a team to ensure that you can not only retain the current grant, because of course you don't want to be defunded, but then because you did such a great job with, you know, the one grant that you may have started with, you can now use that as leverage um, and as part of your funding history to apply for even greater grants um, and uh, even larger amounts and of course from a, a wider number of um, funders. Uh, so again, it's important, you know, getting the grant is the easy part, maintaining the grant and possibly renewing the grant uh, for another year or another time period is even is, is, is exactly what you're trying to aim for. Grantsworks is uh, one of the organizations can help that can help you manage your grant. So feel free to contact us. Again, go to grantsworks.com. Fantastic. I was, in fact, that's usually my parting question is how, how can a listener get in contact with you if they wanted to be and so we'll direct them to grantsworks.com. Absolutely. And, or you can, of course, call my office at 404-662-3355. Fantastic. Thank you, Patrice. And thank you for taking the time to make this recording with me today. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
And to our listeners, thank you as always for joining us for the Nonprofit Snapcast. We value your comments and feedback via the website. That's nonprofitsnapcast.org. And if you have any questions about the consulting work that we do, please visit nonprofitsnapshot.org. That's nonprofitsnapshot, not to be confused with Nonprofit Snapcast. Nonprofitsnapshot.org. Click on the consulting tab at the top of the screen and you'll see the list of things that we're currently doing in partnerships with consultants across the country. In the meantime, thanks again for joining us. We'll see you with another episode in a few days. This has been the Snapcast. Thank you for joining us.